welcome back to another episode of The Salt Podcast. I'm your host today, Renee, and I'm joined by another host, Toby. Hey, Toby. What's crackalacking, guys? How have you all been? On The Salt Podcast, our vision is to create and prepare disciples ready to influence the world. And today's topic, we are talking about being a woman of God. So I'm super excited about this episode, especially because I'm a woman. And I believe in God. Hey, but we have a guest here today and our guest, her name is Narelle. Hey, Narelle, how are you? Hi, guys. I'm well. How are you guys? Oh, so excited to have you on the podcast. For those who don't know, Narelle is a lecturer at Avondale University College. Um, Narelle, would you like to introduce yourself to anyone who is listening who might not know who you are? Yeah, I'm new to the community, really. I started teaching at Avondale as a sessional lecturer only last year. Uh, And this year is my first year in a full-time position. And I teach English, history, and now I'm taking care of DGS as well. Oh, wow. Nice. That's the name of general studies, yeah. Um, I believe you have a, what's like your major in? Because you have an English major, right? Yes, so I completed uh, my PhD. I'm really excited. Just congratulations! Congrats. (laughs) So it's in Australian colonial women's writing. So I researched romance novels and newspapers in 1880s Melbourne. Oh, yo, that's so cool! What I didn't even know that was a thing. That's incredible. It was a really fascinating journey. It took four years all up, a lot of sleepless nights and crying, so I understand most of it. Yeah. (laughs) Praise God it's finished. It's done. Amen. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Awesome. So as our topic suggests, we're talking about um, women through, I guess, a biblical lens or what it means to be a woman of God. So, Neil, I just want to ask you, growing up, what kind of ideas in society has kind of shaped your views on what it actually means to be a woman? Well, I come from Western Sydney originally. I am the child of two immigrant parents from South America. Uh, my dad is from Argentina and my mum is from Chile. And I also grew up in the Seventh-day Adventist church in a Spanish-speaking church as well. So I think those are the main influences in my life. They, they really shaped my childhood and my perspectives. So all up, I'd have to say I was brought up very conservatively. I do still believe that men have their roles and women have their other roles, um, Some of these are really important. Some of them are, you know, at the end of the day, really just a matter of opinion. For example, I still believe that it's a man's job to take out the bin. (laughs) 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 If I'm carrying a heavy load, a gentleman should come and help me. I also think a woman should uh, at least try to learn to cook. Now, I'm now living by myself. I have to take out my own bin um, for myself and sometimes it's not even delicious. Uh, These are just some of the views I've grown up in. I was extremely blessed as well, Uh, even though I've come up with, grown up in this sort of patriarchal structure, to have parents who showed me that while there are roles that each of them took, it wasn't a matter of subjugating another 
or submitting for the sake of submission. My parents really taught me that uh, these roles are there because they're trying to share the burden of life together. Um, I'm fortunate that my mum did a lot of handiwork around the house and my dad did a lot of cooking, which not many people with my cultural background actually get to say. Uh, in saying that, and this uh, may touch some nerves, my, uh, my church upbringing was wonderful and I have many beautiful memories and we're all warm people. You'll find if you come to our church, you'll kiss everyone on the cheek. Mm. <laughs> but um, there are some downsides as well. So there was a very uh, firm sexual double standard. Mm. Basically, it meant from an early age, you could see young men who were allowed to sort of play around, um, be a little promiscuous, and it was easy to turn the, a blind eye to it. Uh, but for young ladies, it was very, very different. And it often meant um, disciplining them in public. And oh, I have conflicted opinions about that because it's, it's a hard topic. I know there are many sides to the debate. Um, but it just shocked me that even if uh, a man was disciplined in church, it was easy to forget it and to let it slide. But a woman's reputation is far more fragile in my culture. Um, and it just shows that I think as an Hispanic community, we have a, a, a bit of a journey to go still. We need to move from the guilt framework to the grace framework um, in that sense. So that's my whole upbringing. I've got a bit of the best of both worlds and it comes with its pros and cons. All right. So, Narelle, you mentioned that you have actually some background in women's studies, which I thought was mm -hmm. super awesome. So I wanted to take this opportunity to ask you um, the word about, like, I wanted to take this opportunity to ask you about what is feminism and what it means to be a feminist? Um, well, I can speak easily to what feminism is. I study it a lot. Uh, but basically, feminism is a political and ideological movement, so an ism, that really begins to emerge as a worldwide phenomenon in the early 19th century, so the 1800s. Mm. Before this, women were doing really important work um, and they were, they were celebrated and noteworthy women, as well as women participating in all aspects of society. But what makes feminism stand out is that people started to advocate for women's for women's rational humanity. Mm. People started saying, we, these women have minds of their own, ideas of their own, and they deserve equal opportunities, equal rights and responsibilities to forge their own destinies. Mm. Uh, it means giving them the right to vote, giving them the right to marry or not marry if they want, mm. making them economically independent from mothers, so the ability to work. Things we often take for granted today were fought for very, very um, violently in some cases around the world. In the 20th century, feminism in its second wave becomes a sexual revolution where women are openly trying to tackle this sexual double standard. Um, they're also trying to 
advocates for equal pay and uh, the recognition that women's work is the same, equal if not more difficult than men's work in some cases. Fast forward to today in its third phase, we've got um, feminism as an intersectional movement, which means that women are not just advocating for themselves or their own rights, but they're recognizing that um, equality won't exist until there is equality for everyone. So women feminists are now advocating for the LGBTQI community, uh, people of other races, the poor, and refugees. So feminism today is a lot more diverse. Um, you can even have environmental feminism where feminists say that they are beings and so are trees and so are animals and so give animals rights and you'll increase women's rights and that's how we'll make society better. Now, what does it mean to be a feminism? Feminist? <laughs> What does it mean to be a feminist? This is something I keep mulling over in my brain because in theory, a, a feminist is a politically active person who's actively involved in trying to destabilise any sort of patriarchal structures uh, that they deem domineering or inefficient or um, cruel. So that sort of activeness, I don't think I personally have in my life and which is, it's why I'm contemplating and I'm on a long, long journey trying to figure out what it really means to be a woman or a feminist. Um, but also recent events like uh, George Floyd's murder mm. in the United States are showing me that I can't be apolitical to keep silent is a political position. So it's really challenging the way I look at um, my opinions and the way I think the world should be or, or how I, what my part is in changing it. I also recognize that perhaps I'm not as gung-ho because I had a privileged childhood. Um, I've got both parents who love me very much and we did things on equal par. Um, but also because I've never been deprived of any sort of right as other women were. I don't have to get married if I don't want to. I can work if I want to or if I don't want to, I don't have to. Um, I have a, I've had a right to an education. Um, nobody has taken advantage or assaulted me uh, simply because they could. So I often wonder whether if... I lived back in the 1800s or the 1700s or even last century if I would be as calm about it as I am now. At the moment, it's just a personal journey, but keeps growing and developing. Wow, that's incredible. That's actually really, really cool to hear. Um, so now that that's really opened my eyes on what feminism is all about, and I thank you so much for breaking down like these three different stages and the stage that we're in now. That's actually really cool to hear. Um, now speaking more a bit about feminism, um, and bringing kind of a spiritual aspect to it, when I read the Bible, I can't help but notice that it has this really old language of kind of mentioning a lot of he's and not a lot of she's and it, and it really directs it to like, um, it's kind of a mankind instead of humankind sort of, sort of speaking. Um, now 
how does the Bible speak into the concept of feminism when from at first glance it doesn't seem to very much or how does it or maybe it doesn't and why doesn't it? I think that's that's a really good question that you guys are throwing at me and it's one that I think we should consider because God is relevant at all times and to all humans Now, um, I don't think that the Bible is a feminist work. It's not politically advocating for any sort of disruption of what God set up. But I do think that there are three tenets of women's rights and feminism that the Bible really speaks to. Um, And I'll take you through them if you don't mind. Yeah, please. Yes, please. The three tenets are that uh, women, women's equality with man, women's rights, and social justice. So I mm. think the three things the Bible actually speaks to. Um, so, for example, in Genesis 2, chapter 2, verse 24, we read, and this is the favourite marriage quote, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Previously, I did a sermon on this and I found that the verb that's used, the Hebrew verb is echad, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Um, And it's a verb that describes unity, the unity of compounds, more than one person, more than one being. And it's only used one other time that I could find in Deuteronomy to describe the unity between God the Father, God the Son and the Holy Spirit. Wow. And so when you think about the verb echad, it's like think of a braid. Um, I don't know if you braid your hair, Tobias, but if you've ever seen No, I can't say I have, but I have a younger (laughs) sister and I've definitely braided her hair before. Yeah, so you'll notice that hair is quite uh, fragile if it's just left to stand on its own. But when you braid it and you put one strand of hair under and over the other, it becomes stronger. And it's a sort of different movement where the Holy Spirit is saying, Jesus, you be exalted. And Jesus is saying, no, but I want God to be exalted. And God says, no, I want the Holy Spirit to be exalted. So that sort of um, plaiting of deference and respect and love and compassion. And that's the same unity and sort of relationship that God envisioned for man and woman. It's one of equality where not one was better They were both in in it together and being together, they were stronger. Mm -hmm. Uh, But because of sin, man and women, women are cursed. They're cursed and man shall sweat and strive for his food. Women shall have pain in the conception and the birth of their children. Their desire shall always be for their husbands. So that sort of... um, what God gave us instantly between man and woman, sin has eroded over time. But I hold on to the hope that this is initially what God wanted because in Acts 3.23 we read that there will be a restoration of all things as they were before sin. And in Revelations 22.3 we see God will lift the curse upon his return, which leads me to claim the promise in Galatians 3.28, which says there is neither Jew nor Greek, 
neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. Mm. So the first idea that man and woman are equal, equal in God's sight, I think that holds true in the Bible. The reality is different, and the Bible shows us that there is really grave injustice in some cases. Um, then number two, that women have rights. Jesus on earth was the greatest example of how to treat women. He mm. taught them. He listened to them. He gave them the role of spreading the gospel. He protected them. He healed them. And he gave them a voice, uh, which is just so powerful. Uh, if any of you are interested, I really loved reading Doug Batchelor's At Jesus' Feet, a brilliant um, sort of analysis of the life of Mary Magdalene. Mm. And then finally, social justice. I'll just read Isaiah 58, 67 very quickly. Um, the idea that women's rights now advocates for others is something that God has been asking us to do from the get-go. In Isaiah 58, 6, it says, Is this not the fast I have chosen, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see naked that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. So that's my response to how the Bible speaks to feminism, or even how feminism has its roots yeah. in what God originally designed. I don't know which you consider comes first, but um, I truly believe that God is a merciful and gracious God who is a champion for men and the defender of women yeah. so. I love that analogy that you used um especially about the braid and that how men and women together um are stronger and that we're a team um instead of you know always separating us which tends to be like something that happens in society unfortunately um I just want to ask according to the bible what qualities and characteristics do you um, make a woman of God and and what does this look like practically oh you'll have to keep me to the time because I could um... <laughs> <laughs> no, please, let it go. Just <laughs> speak what's on your mind. This is great. So uh, I have to go to the book of Ruth. Um, usually, and this is the first time I ever encountered Ruth, I was um, with a bunch of girlfriends and we had tea and cake and lots of food and we used it as a how to get a man guide. <laughs> and you will get Boaz. And I kept using it in the same way. And then one day, I think by the grace of the Holy Spirit, it flipped. Um, and I love that the story of Ruth does not center on how to find a man. It centers on female friendship. Mm. So um, I just read here something I wrote. I, I was journaling one day and um, I just realized our lives as women don't begin or end at I do. That's just one traffic light on the long journey we're taking. The first and foremost relationship in this book is between Naomi, the mother, and Ruth, the daughter. Boaz comes later, much later. 
it's really through Naomi that Ruth learns to love God and see his truth. When it comes time for Ruth to leave, at the beginning of the story, she doesn't. Naomi learns to release control or ownership after Ruth's husband dies. Um, but Ruth was loyal. Ruth stayed with Naomi, even though she didn't need Naomi and Naomi needed her. And I think we all reach this point where as daughters to someone, whether it's our biological mothers or otherwise, we reach a point where we grow up and we realise we don't need them anymore. And I think what really makes a woman of God is the one who takes a moment to consider not just her own needs, but the needs of those she's leaving behind as she forges forward. Uh, so that's what I really love. The book of Ruth begins when Ruth decides, I'm not going to cast this mother aside. And Ruth worked hard to provide for Naomi. She had a great act of selfless love and kindness without seeking anything in return. And Naomi gave sound advice. She had a communion with God, good communication, which Ruth followed. And I think this book is so much more than just a love story. It's a story about friendship and what women can do together even under the most exceptional circumstances. So from this book, I've realized that a woman is a learner. She's hardworking. She seeks God. She fosters community. And one that's been buzzing on my mind for a while is that a woman can give life from a place of pain. And I think that's one of her greatest gifts to mankind, that a woman can give her child blankets and sheets and jumpers and shiver in the cold. A woman can offer a hug even though she's has it, nobody's been filling her cup. Um, and a woman has this extra reserve, uh, an extra generator that um, really, really makes her a valuable person in a crisis. And that idea of fostering community, I think, is really important and we often take for granted as a community of women. Wow. That's so good. <laughs> That's actually so good. Thank you so much for sharing about that. Yeah. Um, oh, so, I, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, please go ahead. I just saw it in my notes. Um, I think I've been on a journey where it took me a long time to realise that it was my greatest freedom that a girl does not grow up just to become a wife or a mother. Every step along the way, we are daughters, sisters, sisters, citizens, and children of God. We're called to equip others in the mission of the gospel. And so mm. there are so many different elements to our role. And the same can be applied for men. Of course, their sons, their brothers. Um, you could even say they're soldiers. There's so many uh, identities and hats and ways of growing that God gives us. So keep that in mind when you read the book of Ruth again. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, I just mm -hmm. love the the story of Ruth. And and even if when you dive into Esther and stuff, you can see that the stories of these um, 
these women in the Bible is so much greater than just their marriage and so much greater than just mm. who they settled down with. Mm. Um, it, it's all about God and it's all about what he can use them to do. And it's, it's really awesome. So mm. thanks for bringing that to the table. That was awesome. Mm. Um, so how can we, what can we be doing to teach or to, to help our growing girls um, to become women of God? I think this really goes back to the point I was making about fostering communities. Um, Mm -hmm. I think women have the greater responsibility in answering this question um, to stop the gossip and to be kind to women. And really just what I'm learning is that we must learn to give to others without fear that by giving them something more, will become less. Wow. Yeah. And I think that's often what stops women from being kinder to each other. We think, well, if I give her a makeup tutorial, what chances do I have? Yeah. If I give her more time to sing, who's going to notice me? Um, But really what God shows us is that those moments of giving more means that God gives we, we give God more room to give us more because we're not hoarding it. Mm. And it's the scariest thing in the world to think I'm going to, going to give from what I have very little of. Mm. Okay, I'm going to give that extra bit of kindness even though nobody's been kind to me or really having the courage to say I'm not going to participate in this drama. Mm. I'm not going to rejoice in the fact that that young woman is being disciplined in front of a church and her reputation is tarnished. Um, I think men can also play a part in that. Um, You know, stop that vicious cycle of uh, gossip, envy, strife, comparison. Mm -hmm. And, And I think that once we all learn that we have a role to play in that and we choose to back away from negative behaviors that's how we'll show young girls what it means to be women. Um, it's such an active and practical thing, and we often forget that. I, I, um, a friend told me something similar to what you just said. Like someone's help, someone's success doesn't take away from your own success. Um, and I loved how you went into like, at times we, we get a bit selfish and we're like, Oh, this, I don't have much of this. I don't want to give what I have. Um, but in fact, it's the opposite. The more we give, the more we're able to receive from God and from others. Which is absolutely easier said than done. Uh, I'm learning this. I've realized this. I'm hoping the first step is acknowledging that it's this. Uh, how much I put that into practice will be a lifetime's lesson. Yeah. My grandma says, I'll be dead in a box and still learning. <laughs> <laughs> Your grandma sounds sounds like a funny woman. <laughs> I can't um, really love kind of eccentric women. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, just in closing, and I think you answered this, but if um, in your previous answer, but like if you want to add anything more, what what do you think women? I guess what do you think women need the most today, especially in this climate? Um, and how can we build them up? My mum, a very wise woman, 
uh, stopped me last year while I was having a bit of a mental breakdown and said, Narelle, when you try to be perfect, everything that makes you special disappears. And I think it's time for us to collectively stop accepting perfection from others and stop pushing for perfection in ourselves. We won't reach it. And doesn't the gospel say it outright? You won't make it without Jesus. Mm. You're complete, you're fallible, you're sort of the cookie people, the companies will throw away because it's not the right shape. But uh, I think that's a combination of that. Just stop trying to be perfect. Mm. You won't reach it. Mm. And there's so much happiness you're missing out on along the way. So that's my message to all young women. Mm. Stop trying to be perfect. You're cutting away the things that actually make you special, Mm. stand out, um, and needed by society. Everything you have, God has given you for a purpose. Don't throw it away just for the sake of fitting in. Amen. That's all I'll add. I don't, I I can move (laughs) from other questions, but um, yeah, that's that's what I think at the moment. I think what you've shared is, has been so valuable and so real. And like, I 100% agree. I think, yeah, I think there is a lot. There's a lot to, with this topic, but what you've shared with us today um, is very meaningful and very practical. So thank you so much, Narelle. Well, you're very, very welcome. I think I'm, I'm glad that these conversations are being had. So keep it going. <laughs> Toby, do you want to wrap us up? <laughs> yeah, sure thing. Thank you so much, Narelle, for joining us. Um, is there anywhere we can uh, find you if any of the students maybe on campus have any questions or maybe um, some of the guys or some of the girls want further insight on what they can be doing um, if they're really interested in this topic of feminism? Where can we reach out to you? Um, I am located in Office T105. I'm right next to Paul Bulgus. So okay. Many students drop by his office. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my email is also norel.com on Tivero at avondale.edu.au. Uh, I think mm-hmm. you guys may need to spell it out. Or do you want me to spell it out? No, know. it's okay. We'll have it in the show notes down the bottom um, at the end of the episode when we hand it out to everyone. So that's um, all good. Yeah, I'm usually around campus, usually trying to get a coffee. I don't always <laughs> have glasses on, so I don't recognise people very well. But I'm very approachable. Once yeah. you say hello, the ice melts. and. Yeah. You have to get me to shut up after that. I can agree. I mean, like, yeah, I can, <laughs> no, <laughs> I can agree that you were very kind and very nice. <laughs> I came at the wrong time. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, on that, uh, we're going to end it off here at the Salt Podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining in and for listening in to our, our wonderful topic today. It's been fantastic. I uh, hope to see you guys all next week as you tune in for another special podcast. Um, you can find us on um, on Spotify and all the places where you usually uh, hear from us. Um, look out for our socials on Facebook and Instagram as well. Thank you so much for joining and uh, hope everyone can stay salty. <laughs>